The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We're dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Scrum.org. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast. I'm your host, Leslie Morse, and in today's conversation, you will hear me talking with Marjorie Anderson. She's an online community strategist who specializes in building community in the association space, seamlessly connecting community strategy to organizational goals in order to drive sustainable value. She is the founder of Community by Association and currently serves as the product manager for community at the Project Management Institute. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Marjorie. Hi, Leslie. Thank you for joining me today. I'm really excited for our conversation. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to uh, get to talking about some things here. Yeah. So let's just uh, ground all of our listeners in a little bit more of your background. They've gotten to hear your bio um, and a little bit about what you focus on, but how did you come to find yourself in the profession of community management and community engagement? Yeah, so it was completely by accident. It was certainly not anything that I had any um, knowledge of prior to becoming a community manager. I have an extensive background in customer support and customer service. And when I joined PMI, which is the organization that I work for now, I, I was looking for other opportunities and an opportunity came up in our virtual communities area. And I knew nothing about online community. I didn't know what it was. I didn't belong to any in the sense that I knew of them. Um, as And so I entered this completely blind, just ready to start something new and something different. And what I found was that it's work that I absolutely love. I've been doing this work for eight years now, and it's amazing work. There's so much value in it, not only to the people who participate in those communities, but to the organization, that um, it's just something that I could not ever imagine in the near future not doing. So um, it was absolutely by accident. <laughs> that it. Um... It's interesting how that parallels the stories of so many agile professionals that we have on the show. And it's like, you know, I didn't set out to be an agile coach or a scrum master or a product owner, but I sort of found my way into this and, oh my gosh, I never want to do anything else. Yeah. There's something about the privilege of having a career that puts that fire in your belly. Um, how would you say that passion for your work and that feeling of being at home shapes the way you show up every day when you go to work? It's absolutely my motivation for doing the best work that I can possibly do. Because at the end of the day, um, what's really amazing about community management work is that it's about the people. So yes, there's processes that you have to follow. And yes, there's metrics that you have to be able to prove. But at the end of the day, you're enabling people to be their best selves and to bring forth their best ideas so that they can be successful. And to watch that unfold is amazing. So every day that I log on to my computer, all I can think of is how can we continue to make this better for our community members and show the rest of the organization that, you know what, because we're able to enable this for the people that choose to engage with us, we're creating this piece of 
lifetime value that these people will have and, and customer loyalty that these folks will have because we are providing them space to do the things that they need to do and learn the information that they need to be more successful. And that is just, that's, that really just gets me going in the morning and is the best part of my job. Like it, I, it, it wouldn't matter if, you know, I was, if, if this was the only thing that I ever did for the rest of my life, it, I would be completely content in doing it. That's amazing. And it's so interesting how, as you were talking, like I almost got goosebumps because what I'm hearing is one of the four agile values, individuals and interactions over processes and tools. And then I'm hearing that agile principle come through around, right? Build teams around motivated individuals and give them that environment where it is that they can go and succeed. Um, and it's just like that, what you just described sounds like the, the full embodiment of that value and principle put together. Yeah, it absolutely is. And um, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. I, I'd like to, you know, as I start to see some of the work unfold around community management, I just had a friend of mine do a, a webinar on utilizing agile processes in community management. And I'm like, it's, it, agile agile is community and community is agile. We just talk mm-hmm. about them in different ways and they serve different purposes almost, you know, in, in some respect, but they are the, the, the general purpose is the same. And um, it's, it was really eye opening to hear her talk about it in that way. Yeah. And that's exactly why I was so excited about having you on the show. We got to talk to Georgina Donahue, um, a, a while back from Pragmatic Institute, which is like an, like, product management and product marketing is an adjacency to agile, right? You know, when we think about PMI, you know, as, as, as hardcore agilists, like we might sometimes get a little bit prickly, like all those classic project managers, they're command (laughs) and control. They get forced into these scrum master roles. And it's just so frustrating because they try to do PMBOK traditional stuff, but use agile words. And, And I think that's really an unfair representation of where we are today and where the PMI community is going today. Because even as you talk about the work you do for engendering that sense of community amongst all of the PMI members, you're leveraging agile practices in some of the way that you do your work. And I know you're not a full agile expert, but can you tell us just a little bit about how that shows up for you on a day-to-day basis? Absolutely. Um, So one of the things that we do as part of just our general community um, programming is we we come up with things that we want to try and we don't wait until they're perfect and in a little box in order to try to roll some of that stuff out. We release what we can, um, we try it, we get user feedback and then we go back and we iterate. And, and we once we have made some improvements, we re-release and then we try it and we keep getting feedback. So one of the great things about community and one of the big things that I, I really love about our community is A, they're vocal and B, um, they give us an opportunity and they want the opportunity to provide feedback and see the community flourish. Because at the end of the day, the community is not about me. It's not about my team. It is about the people that are in the community. So if we're not listening to them, then we're not building community. What we are is we're standing up a structure that we want them to fit in, and that's not going to help anybody. So um, that really comes across in the way that we plan programming. It comes away in the cross that we work across business lines in order to achieve organizational goals and enable other products and services 
things. So um, it's it's not something where we're like, okay, this is set in stone. This is the plan that we have, and this is how we're going to execute against it. It's here's what we want to accomplish. What are the ways in which we can do so? Who can we work with in order to get those small wins to get to the big win at the end? So, um, and it's and it's and it's always something that we're looking to improve. It's never a okay, we we're done, we're finished, we've launched community, and it's and it's over. So, um, you know, there's always something to be done. I love that. That's so great. Before we start really unpacking this topic and get into some, what I'm hoping are going to be like that um, inspirational as well as practical guidance and advice for our listeners around how they can better engender community, um, either within their own women in agile local user group, maybe it's within the agilists at the organization they work for, or just their little part of the global agile community that they engage with. Right? I agree with everything you're saying around, oh, community is agile and agile is community. That sense of community is really the lifeblood that has brought the agile industry to the maturation it has today. Um, and so I think we subconsciously marginalize the activities that go along with engendering community as we approach our work as agile coaches or scrum masters or whatever, however we may be serving our organization. But before we get there, right, that was a good teaser for (laughs) listeners on where we're going. Um, Talk to me about uh, your experience as a woman navigating your career. What have you learned? What have some of those challenges been that, um, may provide a little bit of guidance for our female listeners that we have. Yeah. So it's been interesting. Um, I, I always thought, and I don't know why I thought this, this could just be um, societal. I always thought that, you know, if you, if you nod your head and you play nice and, you know, you, you'll get the things done that you need to get done. And what I found is that has not really served me well um, in my career. Yes, I will absolutely, um, you know, I'll do what I need to do. I work well with others, you know, those types of things are that, but that's not really what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is not speaking your mind and saying, and, standing up for the right things. And for a long time, I was afraid to do those things because I'm like, "Hmm, what if people don't like me? What if people, and we inherently, I think as women sometimes have this fear of saying what we mean and meaning what we say, um, that making people not want to work with us or us looking like we're difficult. But at the end of the day- And and bossy. Yeah. Exactly. And I think a few years ago, I said, I'm not, that serve, doesn't serve me and it doesn't serve um, the people that I work with. Because if yeah. I'm holding back information that I think could be key to helping us move forward because I'm afraid that people might see me as pushy or bossy or, or, or controlling, that, that's, that's not my problem, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, um, it, it's not serving anyone. So what I, had, I did a few years ago was I, I took a leap and I voiced an opinion about something that um, I disagreed with. And I found it wasn't so bad. Um, I found that it sparked conversation. It sparked collaboration. And from this point on, um, 
I have made it a point to say exactly what I mean. Um, of course, respectfully, I'm not going to just jump into, you know, a conversation head first, ready for an argument. But I do think that it's valuable to speak up and speak your truth and say the things that are on your mind. And, you know, if that means that it causes discussion, then it means that it causes discussion. The second thing is that I'm not necessarily worried about what people think of me anymore. I think one of the best quotes that I ever saw was that um, what people think of you is none of your business. Hmm. And Ooh, what can I you do say, is, just can you say that again, Marjorie? Yes. What people think of you is none of your business. And yeah. I took that to heart um, because at the end of the day, people are going to have opinions about if you spend your life people-pleasing, you will never move anything forward and you will never realize your full potential. And so you're going to ruffle some feathers when you're speaking truth to things sometimes, right? Because there are people who think they're right all the time and they're not, or there are things that are happening that need to stop, or there are things that aren't happening that need to, and someone needs to speak up and be an advocate for those things. And that means that people will have an opinion about the fact that you have an opinion. That's okay. That's not for you to manage. What is for you to manage is, you know, how do you feel about yourself at the end of the day? How do you feel about the work that you're doing? How do you, do you feel good about the contributions that you make to your community, to society, to your workplace, to your family? And you have to be in a place where you say to yourself, if I'm not being true to that piece of me, it's serving no one. And people are going to feel what they're going to feel, but I have to be true to that. And so that's really where I've, I've over the course of the last few years, really started to come into that and, and be okay with it. Um, and, and it's really been freeing. I don't know if that has anything to do with, you know, the fact that I'm getting older, but it's, um, it's definitely a been freeing and it's allowed me be to um, really have some good conversations with people about things and, 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 and really find ways to move things in the right direction, both from a work standpoint and in my personal life. And it's been really great. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for allowing me to. Yeah. The, um, it, it makes me think about diversity as well and how when we think about the traditional technology community um, and I'm, I make up that it's even the traditional project management community being um, not only just male dominated in so many ways, right? So we've got gender diversity issues, but just people of different backgrounds and races and ethnicities and all of this. How, how is that then for you as well? And, and how does how do these experiences you're telling us about actually shape the way that you think about bringing a diversity and inclusion sort of stance into everything that you do when building the PMI community? Yeah, it's, um, I would say that it's been, um, it's been interesting because I think that, you know, within, within my organization, it's never really been 
And I think holistically, it's the, diversity has never been an issue, right? And so I think that organizations holistically and societies holistically get to the diversity part and they're like, we've done it. We've got women, we've got people of color, we've got, you know, um, global representation, we've got, you know, representation from the LGBTQ community. We are, we are diverse. Unlike the community stop. piece, we did community check. There, right. it, but that they like no, that's something we keep going. But there is sort of a we've done diversity check right. versus that continual engagement of it. Right, and then and then that's where you stop, right? And then the inclusion and equity or the inclusion and belonging piece gets left behind, right? Because outwardly people see and feel like you're diverse. But the people who are part of that diverse pool aren't being brought to the table and included in the conversation. So um, I think that for me, it is important to um, be outspoken in areas where I see that there's disparity. Um, And I, I try to keep my eye open for it because someone's got to. Um, and, you know, there are lots of people that we leave behind um, when we are looking at who are the thought leaders in, 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 in certain spaces, whether that be in, you know, um, agile, whether that be in community, whether that be in anything, who are the thought leaders, who are we constantly going to, to talk about, um, you know, these topics. And oftentimes what I find is that people will come to people of color or, you know, someone who's in the LGBTQ community or a woman to talk about those specific issues as if that is all we think about all day, Mm -hmm. every day. Um, And then when it comes to the larger types of things, you'll find someone else, right? Like we want to talk about, um, you know, and for just for the sake of conversation, we want to talk about agile processes. So we're going to go get Joe Smith to talk about agile processes. But, you know, Carolyn, I would really like you to focus on the disparity of women and agile in the workplace in this sector. And that's what we need your voice on. And it's like, but why? I also am an agilist and know about agile processes, right? <laughs> like, why can't I talk about that? So. Um, it's, it's really interesting to try to navigate those types of things. And what I try to do is, um, I lend my voice where it needs to be lent, but I also, I'm out there talking about other stuff. And just because I have a lens when it comes to a DEI standpoint, um, a very specific viewpoint doesn't mean that that shades, um, the rest of the knowledge that I have. It's included in the knowledge that I have, and I'm happy to talk about it, but I also don't use the fact, I think it's important that, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion differences not be used as a platform to prop people up on um, when you haven't included them before. So um, I think people have to be very, we have to be very um, intentional about making sure that we bring those diverse voices in regardless of what the topic is. Um, And where we see that disparity, we have to speak up. Yeah, it um, reminds me of a conversation uh, we were having within the Scrum.org team recently around uh, one of our uh, professional Scrum trainers said to to one of us, um, diversity doesn't matter, actually. It's inclusion first. And when the community and when the the environment is inclusive, diversity will come. Yep. Um, 
And I don't know as though I'd ever explicitly thought about it that way. However, that that mental model serves a lot of how we talk about creating agile environments, where if you do these things to create the right environment first, then the other things will come. And the inclusion piece is all about the environment and the equity piece is about the environment and the culture you create. Diversity is is almost something you could just check off, but by itself does nothing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for sharing that as well, Marjorie. Yeah. The um so let's get to the pure community angle of this. Um I loved as we were preparing for our chat today, you kind of boiled down for me three big themes that are important for you as you talk about building community. And what I heard when you were telling me about this was um, we're always uncovering new ways. Uh, We are rigorous about listening and commitment to our customers. Um, And we're doing this in such a way that we're looking for those feedback cycles because our community is that bleeding edge of innovation and where the longingness shows up for how we need to serve them with our products and services. There is so much inherent to agile ways of thinking and how you talked about that. So, So tell us about it in your words. Um, and how other agilists may start bringing that way of thinking into how they engender community within their communities of practice or, or however they're engaging with their colleagues and peers. Yeah. So one of the really great things about community is the fact that you get to bring people together and you get to create experiences with these folks to bring them together and, and give them space to share ideas to talk about the challenges that they're having, to allow them to help one another. And in this space, they can be vocal about the things that are working for them and the things that are not working for them. And this is a a prime place for people to, A, discover um, our, our organization in this particular respect. But if we're thinking about uh community holistically and what that might look like for agilists and and other agile practitioners, it allows people to hear about what is going on outside of their bubble and Uh figure out what's coming next. So one of the great things about PMI's online community is that we're a truly global community. We have people from all parts of the world. We reach all parts um, of the globe. And the way that they're practicing project management in each of these regions is not vastly different, but they've got different challenges. They do different work. And at the core of it, yes, some of those processes are the same, but the way that they have to navigate moving things forward, be that due to you know governmental restrictions, be that due to contract restrictions, be that due to the ways that they have to work within an, or- within an organization, they have to be pretty innovative in how they're able to get that stuff done. So within this community, they're talking to one another, sharing best practices, asking questions. And then out of that, what we can see as an organization is what might be coming next. If we are noticing that people are starting to shift the way that they work within any sort of methodology or process, we can see that. We can see what's working for them and what's not working for them. And what's really great about some of the things that we're able to do within that online community space is we're able to tap into that voice of the customer and really understand what's working for them that we are doing and what's not working for them. 
So we're able to understand if, you know, the standard doesn't speak to something that they, they need. And, and we're able to, to pull that information out. We're able to understand if particular content is or isn't resonating and what about it is or isn't resonating. And we're able to kind of peer in and see, you know, where do we have opportunity to ensure that we are serving the profession at large the way that we need to versus just relying on maybe a survey or, you know, customer satisfaction information. And it's not that that information's not, um, it's not needed. I mean, that's absolutely important information, but the community provides a candid look at what's happening within the profession across the globe as it's happening versus at a moment in time. And I think that's the key piece for community, for anyone who's looking to grow their, you know, their community in their specific sector and their specific um, industry as an agilist, is that this is not moment in time information. This is, this is as, as we go along, right? This is continuous feedback. This is, this is you hearing and seeing what's happening on an ongoing basis. And it changes so quickly that you have enough time to see and, and, and make adjustments where you need to. And I think that's key. Community is an absolute integral part into uncovering that type of information when you didn't think you need it. You don't need to wait for a user research study. You don't need to wait for market research. You can see that information changing and shifting in real time. And I think that's incredibly valuable and important. Listening to you, Marjorie, there's something so salient here around, I think, a call to product owners, right? If we think about the very first Agile principle, our highest priority is to satisfy the customer. And you could almost stop it there, but Mm -hmm. it continues to go and say through the early and continuous delivery, I superimpose here, of value versus of working software. Um, Because the value we deploy in Agile is no longer just confined to software any longer. But that idea of if I'm a product owner, thus I have that accountability for value delivery and ordering that backlog so that we are satisfying the customer early and often, um, how do I integrate a community engagement strategy as part of the feedback loop I use to know if I'm going the right direction? And that's going to change the conversation in a lot of organizations because community is not a in the front strategy for a lot of customer bases. Like there may be like the online fandom for some brands that we just really, really love. Um, But I don't think about going to, oh, what's, I'm I'm looking at the products that are here around me today. And I was about to say like, yeah, I guess, you know, I love Apple products, but I'm not going to Apple community things sponsored by Apple in order to have conversations and things like that. But there is an organic Apple community. So that's a really terrible example. (laughs) Um, You know, but I think there's, how do we get intentional as product owners? So this isn't just about like engender community so that our agile community gets stronger and we're learning and uncovering getting feedback there. But how do we as agile teams employ community to learn from our customers more often? Yeah, I think that is... um that has to be baked in your strategy, right? Mm -hmm. Like even if there's not a formal community 
in an organization around um, practitioner support as a whole, um, there should be some way that product owners, product managers are thinking, how do I continuously engage people in providing feedback? That could be through a, um, that could be through a customer specific portal where they're able to ask questions and share best practices. You know, it, it doesn't have to be a large scale community, but if you're creating something um, that people are going to consume and you really want to know how they're feeling about it and you want to provide them support around it, you build a community. And so you put community first, product second, and your community is going to help guide what that product looks like going forward, how it evolves, whether or not you sunset it, those types of things. So um, the people who are using it, the people who are going to be consuming that product are the people that you need to be engaged. So I think when you're putting together your product strategy, it's not just about how do I get this out to market? It's then how do I get people to tell me candid information about how we're doing? And it's not through a survey. It's not always going to be through a survey. Give them a space to talk to you, be accessible so that they can provide that feedback, so that they can tell you what's working, so that they can tell you what's not working. And I think that's the key piece. Like accessibility is is key when you're really trying to build trust around what you're building and, and engaging people. Because at the end of the day, building community is relationship building. So you mm-hmm. can't just launch a product, put it out and say, now tell us what you think. How are you building relationships with the people who are consuming it? How are you allowing them the opportunity to get close to special perks, to sneak peeks of upcoming um, new features to, you know, another new product that you might be launching soon, but they get the, they get to be the first to see it. That's community building. And if you're building those types of things into um, your product strategy, then, then you've got it, right? You've got it. Again, it's people over process, you know, people process over technology. So, you know, you, when you're thinking about those types of things and what the, the, the long run for your product is going to be, you have to think about who's also going to be consuming it and how you're going to get, how you're going to keep them engaged. And by helping build community and help bringing them together with other users, with you, that's, that's going to be key. Yeah. So before we wrap up, I want to hit two aspects of this. One, um, let's start off with that. I, I totally believe, right? I'm, I'm, I'm channeling our listeners and they're like, yes, absolutely. This makes sense. But say I'm in an organization that's not thinking this way. How do I get started? How might I influence conversations so that a community strategy starts becoming more in alignment with how we engage those customers and do this work? Yeah, I always say that you start with your why. Um, Actually, there's three questions that you start with. If you know personally that this could be a game changer, then you will want to answer three questions. Why does this community needs to need to exist? Who is it going to serve? And then how are we going to do it? And that is just the basis and the seat upon which any sort of strategy can sit um, in order to prove out the value of it. And then from there, you can connect it to other larger goals where it's going to help prove that, yes, this is going to provide, um, you know, greater customer loyalty. Yes, this is going to help us meet other goals. Yes, this is going to, this is the world that it can open up to us. But you have to answer those questions. 
And I think once you've answered those questions, I think that is something that can be a simple conversation starter. And because those are questions that your senior leaders are going to want to know, right? Like, why, why now? Why do we need to do this now? Who's it going to serve? How are we going to get value out of it? Those types of things. Answer those questions and then start to have conversations around it. Get buy-in. You don't necessarily need to go directly to your CEO and say, hey, I think we need a community strategy. Talk to other people, other lines of business that this could possibly affect as well. And as you start to get buy-in and you start to learn more about where those connections are within your organization, then that's where you can really start to build your case so that when you're ready to have a larger conversation, you can say, this is the need across the organization. This is how it's going to provide value. This is who it's going to serve. This is why we need it. What do you say? And right, like, and then that way you've got all of your ducks in a row. You've got all of the data that you need um, to, to be able to provide a, a great business case around that. So starting with those questions is, is absolutely going to be the thing that starts the conversation. I love that. That's so great. Um, and it, it just like starts with why. Again, that is another core thing in Agile. Like, why do we need to build this feature? Let's not just build features for feature's sake. Exactly. Um, so many parallels in, in the ways of thinking. Um, all right. The second thing, and actually I thought of a third one uh, as, as you were talking, that I wanted to, to make sure we got as we started to wrap up was around almost to the inclusivity angle around it. Um, and a little bit of that, you know, um, at the beginning of Agile, it was like Agile versus traditional PMBOK sort of stuff. Um, but as you you told me as we were preparing and getting to know each other, you know, you've always looked at the PMI community as being methodology agnostic. It really is about global practitioners coming together and having the conversations they need to have so they can learn and grow together. Um, as right, things like the PMI ACP came around, you know, more than a decade ago now, um, and then the disciplined agile community and other more formal agile communities getting linked up with how PMIs serving the global practitioner base. Were you having to do anything to intentionally make the agile inclusivity show up, or was that very organic and natural for you? That was very organic and natural um, because the tone of the community is really just about, hey, we're here to help practitioners do their jobs better. Um, regardless of the way you practice, that was just an organic thing. Like people were already talking about Agile. They were already talking about, um, you know, different ways of working. So it's just a matter of introducing a new topic and then right. allowing people to have the conversation about it if it's not already there. So that was absolutely organic. And I'm, I'm glad that it, it continues to happen that way because people then feel like they have a space where they can talk about the profession in ways that make sense for them, regardless of whether or not they have a PMP, whether they have an ACP, whether they have, you know, a certified scrum master certification, whatever that looks like. And um, the overall goal is to help each other grow, regardless of the way they practice. That's great. I love that. The um, And it's so refreshing to hear it because there it would be easy to probably tell some battle stories of, you know, and, and if it's like any other community, there are the little tiffs between people. Yeah. Uh, Cause and, and right. We see this show up in the holistic agile community, you know, 
safe and not safe and Kanban and Scrum and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you know, whatever your preferred flavor of Agile is, is like the best one. And I'm like, no, y'all, at the end of the day, we're all here to help uncover better ways. Um, Let's keep the values and the principles at the forefront of this. Like, it doesn't matter. Um, So I I actually think that idea of, you know, little tiffs might be uh, how I'd like to land us today, Um, Marjorie. um, Stories and telling stories is such a wonderful way of showcasing learning. Are there a handful of short stories you could tell us about? Like, I did this and it was such an awesome win for what we created with the community, as well as maybe a, eh, we tried this and it wasn't so great sort of moments that you could share? Ah, let me think about that one for a second. Um, so I think one of the great things that we that we did was that we we created a space for people who had expertise in specific topics within our community to be able to share with others. So we have um, an Ask the Experts program where um, we we are able to bring people from all walks of life who have different levels of experience to share, whether that's around healthcare, whether that's around construction, whether that's around, you know, whatever that's around, they're able to share their expertise through a monthly webinar. We were bringing them to our live conferences every year and allowing people to sit with them one-on-one and just talk through things. Um, But, you know, that's really seemed to be something that's been valuable for the community is being able to tap into someone who has knowledge of a specific thing, right? So our our community is so big that, um, you know, it might be hard to find someone specifically to talk to about something. Um, So by highlighting these experts within the community, we're able to say, hey, this person's got this level of experience. They know about, you know, X, Y, and Z. You can ask them these questions. And that's been really, really great. Um, we've also instituted um, something called Perspective, where we allow uh, people, we do a profile on um, different community members during the month to really just allow them to get to know one another, which has been great, because then it uncovers what people know and the things that they've been exposed to and allows people to connect with one another in the ways that are valuable and meaningful for them. Um, one of the things that we've tried that didn't necessarily go so well was um, we we had um, thought about kind of segmenting, not necessarily segmenting, but creating um, practice areas within the online community. And that was supposed to have robust programming around specific topics that we thought were important, right? Things that we, from a legacy perspective, thought we needed to continue to have conversations around. And what we saw was that that's not what the community wanted, right? They were letting us know in different ways how they wanted to talk about the profession, what they were searching for, what types of topics were important to them, where we thought, you know, you know, legal project management was going to be something that people really wanted to continue a conversation around. At the end of the day, the broader community was like, 
not something that we are really, really caring about right now. So, um, so what we did was we took that data and we understood, okay, this is where we really need to be focusing our efforts. We trimmed down those topic areas or practice areas, changed them to topics so that people can subscribe to topics as they need to versus having to fit inside a practice area. Um, to try to figure out what it is that they need. So, um, you know, that was something that we had to pivot on pretty, um, pretty early on because we just, we saw that just wasn't really, wasn't really working for the community. Yeah. That it reminds me a little of some of the conversations I've been having lately around um, our shift from the industrialized mindset and how um, traditional organizational structures and defined hierarchies are really a predict and plan approach for how we want to create value in our organization when really that post-industrial mindset is more about like organic networks and people self-managing their ways into those structures. And that's what it sounds like. It's like we had a predict and plan sort of practice area thing when really we just need to be like, here's all the options and people can kind of self-manage and self-curate yep. what it was that they needed. So it that totally lines up with what we're seeing play out from an organizational development and organizational science perspective. So I, I love the parallels there. Yeah. Marjorie, this has been such a fun conversation. Um, I Thank you for joining me so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. The time flew, Leslie. And I yeah, really it really has. It. it has. It has. So let's, let's get our, our last two standard wrap up questions for every guest. Um, what are you geeking out on? What are you studying? How are you growing and improving the Marjorie that we're talking to today um, in the hopes of inspiring others with places they might go research and grow themselves? Yeah. So one of the things that I've been really, really interested in is user experience design. I think user experience design weaves itself into everything that we do, especially from a community standpoint. Um, you know, there's talk a lot about, you know, how do we design the community experience for or with our community members? But at the end of the day, I think you can't just design a community experience. I think you have to design a piece of that experience to support the full user journey. So um, I'm really trying to dig into user experience design and, and how to make sure that as community practitioners, we consciously um, inject that into the way that we build community. That's great. And if someone, like what resources, I guess, have you found the most useful? Like if somebody wants to be like, ooh, I want to find that same great stuff Marjorie's looking at. Is there anything specific you want to recommend or share? Yeah. So what I'm doing right now is I'm going through um, a user experience design course through Learn with Google or Grow with Google. And that has been amazing. I also have a colleague that introduced me to user experience design way, way, way back. Um, he's moved on to another um another role now, but if you want to connect with him, his name is Mike Zaro. He is on LinkedIn. He's amazing. And he's really been um, you know, inspirational for me to learn more about that. So, you know, the Grow With Google course has been helpful and, you know, Mike Zaro, connect with him on LinkedIn. I'm sure he'll be like, where are all these connections? <laughs> <laughs> and, and if people want to connect with you, um, I know you're on LinkedIn. Um, that's how we initially started talking. But where can other people find you in, on the internet if they want to reach out and connect and have a conversation? Yes. So you can find me on LinkedIn. You can also find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Marjorie A. It's Marjorie, M-A-R-J-O-R-I-E-A-Y-Y-E-E-E. Excellent. Well, Marjorie, uh, final wisdom you want to share with folks before we officially close the conversation? Um, yeah, I think that the final thing that I want to th uh, just share is that 
building community doesn't have to be hard and it can be done in any capacity around anything. You just have to be willing to put a little bit of elbow grease into it to get it done. And if you're not sure about how to do it, connect with other people who are, and um, you know, you don't have to do it alone. Maybe see if you can do it, you know, in conjunction with someone else or someone else's initiative to at least get started. Awesome. Marjorie, thank you again for being here. This has been a great chat and I hope our listeners have enjoyed it. Thanks so much, Leslie. It's been wonderful. Yes, we'll talk soon. Yep. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Women in Agile podcast. It's brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile nonprofit organization and scrum.org. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or a coworker about the podcast. And as always, you can go online to womeninagile.org to learn more about our initiatives and find additional inspiring podcast conversations.